Hey, well, I really want to welcome you today to this Pentecost service. In the Christian liturgical calendar, it is the Sunday that we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in His brilliant, when He was ascending to heaven, He said to His followers, I'm not going to leave you alone. I am going to send another and the Holy Spirit was given to us. And of course, we have this amazing concept of the Trinity that God is three in one. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today. It's so great to be with you. My name is Glenn Barrett, the National Leader of Assemblies of God in Great Britain. And we're sending love to you today, to your church, to your church family. May you know the presence of God. May you know what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And may your life forever after be transformed because of the magnitude of the love of Jesus Christ in your life. Well, when we think about Pentecost Sunday, of course, we're thinking about the Holy Spirit. And sadly, there's lots of misconceptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's because people have used terms like the Holy Ghost, etc. Now, I was brought up in church and I was brought up in a church very much like your church. And I was Holy Spirit friendly. But to be honest, I too thought of the Holy Spirit in as some strange ghost or some strange ethereal creature out there. But as I grew to be a young man and I really began to understand the Holy Spirit more, I began to realise the magnitude of God who is three in one. God is one, but He presents Himself to us as the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it is such a brilliant, brilliant thing. We're going to talk a little bit about the Acts chapter 2, first Pentecost weekend and what took place in that moment. Why is Pentecost important to us? And if we had the time to read all of Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, you'd really see a lot of the background story associated with it. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take just a few verses from the Bible and, and help you to understand a little bit about Pentecost and why we celebrate this amazing day today. Acts chapter two, verse one, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came. And there are several things I want you to get from Acts chapter two today. And the first thing is this, is a timing context. It says, when the day of Pentecost came. You know, in the Bible, the word time appears 772 times. We read a lot in the Bible about this time and that time. And let's face it, in life, there is a lot of this and there is a lot of that. There's a lot of this time and a lot of that time. But the Bible speaks a lot about the idea of something called appointed time. The word appointed in the original language that it was written in is the word tethame, and it means to put into place, to lay down, to establish. And the word tethame appointed time, tethame, comes from the root word theos, meaning God. So when we speak about time, when we speak about this time and 
that time and appointed time, we are reminded really about what God is up to. It's when God establishes something. It's when God puts something in place. And you know something today? I believe that today could be your appointed time to encounter the life-transforming power and person of the Holy Spirit that today is this time, an appointed time because Pentecost Sunday starts off with when the day of Pentecost came. So there is a timing context. The other thing I want you to know about Pentecost is that there is also an equality context. And this is so powerful. The Bible says in verse one of Acts chapter two, when they were all together in one place, we go down to verse seven and it says, utterly amazed, the people in Jerusalem asked, aren't all these who were speaking uh, Galileans, how is it that each of us hears them speak in our native tongue? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, people from Crete and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. You see, in this moment, for the followers of Jesus who were in an upper room, the Holy Spirit was given to them and they spoke in many different languages, languages that they previously didn't know, but the Spirit of God enabled them to speak the praises of God in other languages. This is the equality context. Now listen, your church, my church, we are what is known as Pentecostals, Pentecostal church. The Assemblies of God is a Pentecostal movement. And when we think of modern day Pentecostalism, we can't go past 1906, Azusa Street Revival. It was a, a, a move of God. It was a Pentecostal move of God where the Holy Spirit came and filled people, baptised people in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. It took place in Azusa Street in Los Angeles. Here's what's amazing about it is that the LA Times in 1906 and other surrounding newspapers wrote headlines about the Azusa Street Revival. They said things like they were disgusted that black people and white people and Latinos were mixing together. In fact, what was incredible about Azusa Street 1906 was that the person that God used to usher in this modern moment of Pentecostalism was a man by the name of William J. Seymour. He was African-American, a son of emancipated slaves. He had one eye, and yet God used him to usher in the amazing Pentecostal move of God in Azusa Street back in 1906. And so when we think about it, we think about Acts chapter two, people from every tribe and tongue hearing people speaking the praises and the wonders of God. And we think about 1906, people of all backgrounds, age, size, description, nationality, being together, we see the equality context. 
In other words, friends, what I want you to understand today is this, is that the hallmark of the Pentecostal moment, the hallmark of Pentecost, the hallmark of the Holy Spirit is that when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons in that He brings us together from all backgrounds, all nationalities, all tongues, and He brings us together. We, the Assemblies of God, we Pentecostals are not a white movement, nor are we a black movement or any other movement. We are an everything movement. We are an everyone movement because when the Holy Spirit moves, equality is elevated in Jesus' Name. It's what we learned from the AOG conference just a few weeks ago, the sanctification of diversity, that God brings us together. So take a look around right now when you look in, in your church, if you're in your auditorium doing a watch party, maybe you're at home as well. But when we look around our churches, we see people from every tribe and every tongue brought together. That, my friend, is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. The third thing about Pentecost is the audible context, audible. And it says in verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I guess this is slightly weird. If the idea of the Holy Ghost wasn't weird, the old King James language for the Holy Spirit, this idea now is really taking the weird factor to another level. That the Holy Spirit filled them in such a way that they spoke languages they didn't know but the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak the wonders of God in another tongue. Sound crazy? Well, it certainly sounded crazy in the book of Acts as well, because in verse 13, it says this, some, however, made fun of them. Some of the crowd made fun of them, saying, these people have had too much wine. And I think at this point, friends, we run the risk of elevating this Pentecost moment from Acts chapter two to a moment in history, saying it has no relevance for today. And people say it has no relevance for two reasons. Number one, because it's strange, and number two, because it doesn't really make sense. But friends, think about the Christian faith. When you really think about it, it's all strange. And it doesn't really make sense. The most famous verse of the Bible, John chapter 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He came that, uh, to, to set us free from our sin. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. That is both strange and it truly doesn't make sense. But listen, the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit being given in Acts chapter two, the evidence that the Holy Spirit came was that there was an audible context that people heard the disciples speaking a tongue that was previously unknown to them. I have an Australian pastor friend. He was on a plane flying through the United States some years ago. And he was sitting next to a gentleman and he felt the Spirit of God nudge him. And God spoke to him and said, speak in tongues. And so in his mind, he did. And God said, louder. So he began to move his mouth, but nothing came out. And God said to him, speak louder. And so he started to whisper and God said to him, speak louder. And he was embarrassed, but he began to speak so that his ears could hear what his mouth was saying. He spoke in tongues. 
And the person sitting next to him on the plane turned to him and said, how did you know? And my friend Steve, he turned, he said, know what? And the man said, how did you know my language? And Steve, not knowing the language, he actually said, well, what was I speaking? And the man next to him began to speak about how the language he was speaking was the native tongue of, of, a, of a native North American and very few people, 100 or only 200 people, actually now speak the language. My friend Steve said, what was I saying? And the man on the plane said this, you were speaking about the wonders of a God who is one God. My friend Steve on the plane had the honour and the opportunity of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. That's the power of Pentecost. It is an audible context. Not only is it audible, but we also have this historical context because it's called Pentecost because this moment took place during the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost in the Bible is also known as the Feast of Weeks, the, the Feast of Harvest, the, the Feast of Firstfruits. And we read about it in Exodus 34, in Leviticus 16, in Numbers 28, in Deuteronomy 16. And the word Pentecost means this, it means 50th. So the day of Pentecost happened during the Feast of Pentecost and happened 50 days after the Jewish festival of Passover. So on this first Pentecost 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2, if we had time to read verses 14 and 17, we would see that what Peter does is that Peter steps up and he places this Pentecost moment, the giving of the Holy Spirit, he places it in an historical context. He says, this is what the Old Testament prophet says. This is why Jesus had to die. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. This is why the Holy Spirit was given. And this historical context is so important for us because now, 2,000 years later, we know the time. We know why Jesus had to die and we know for fact that many people witnessed what happened in Acts chapter two. We know it happened. The first Pentecost, it also has what I'm calling today the salvation context. Because in verse 41, it says, that as a result of people hearing them speaking the praises and the wonders of God in another language, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And get this, friends, about 3,000 people were added to their number, those who were saved. You see, Pentecost is about people knowing and encountering Jesus. That's what Pentecost is about. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And I think historically, for many Pentecostal churches, the idea of a Pentecostal experience or revival has been what we've called an old-fashioned idea of, of a knees up or, or even carpet time, if you understand what I mean by that. But truly, the Holy Spirit is the one who points us to Jesus. And in the moment of encounter, we end up being filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that now our life too also points to Jesus. And I wanna ask you the question, does your life point people to Jesus? 
Because if the answer is yes, then that's good evidence that you have been impacted by the Holy Spirit. So we have this salvation context, but the sixth amazing thing from this Bible passage is this, is that we have a growth context as well. Because the Bible says 3,000 people were added to the church on one day 2,000 years ago. I mean, this is fascinating. The Pentecostal church has been around for 2,000 years. That's how long Pentecost has actually been going. Yeah, isn't it amazing how many people in our cities, our towns, in our nation still view churches like ours as a new thing? They view the idea of Pentecost being some strange thing or even at times some American thing. It feels like it's new. When my father was pastoring a church in, in Newtown in mid Wales back, oh gosh, at the end of the 50s or early 60s, my father as a Welshman would walk down the road in this, in this town, Newtown, and he would walk down this street and people would see this crazy Pentecostal new type pastor walking their way and walk across the road to get away from this new kind of pastor. But friends, I want you to know the Pentecostal church has been around for 2,000 years. Why does this feel so new to so many people? Maybe because the Holy Spirit is always doing something new. It always feels new because when the Holy Spirit is moving, it feels like it's something new. It feels like it's something strange. But really, really we're doing what's been done for the last 2,000 years. The growth context is phenomenal. Back in 2015, the Washington Post led with an article in the newspaper. It said this, do you think Christianity is dying? Question mark. And it said, not really, it's just shifting. And it talked about the emergence of churches like ours, Pentecostal Assemblies of God churches rising, people filled and impacted with the Holy Spirit, new. The Guardian newspaper in April 2019 began to speak about 500 million Pentecostals globally. How about this? Assemblies of God, your church, my church, there are now 380,000 Assemblies of God churches globally. That's part of our church family. That's part of our Pentecostal heritage that we stand on today. So wherever you are, whether you're watching this at home alone, you're with your family, you're in a hall with 10 people, 20 people, or if there's hundreds or even thousands of you, I want you to know that there's more than meets the eye. The growth context has been phenomenal. The seventh thing about Pentecost is that there is a transformative context. Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, Nothing is ever the same again. Take a moment to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In John chapter 14, verse 16, in the Amplified Version, it says this, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking about the first Pentecost, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counsellor, a strengthener, a standby to be with you forever. And the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your world is transformative. And here today is where I finish in our looking at the first Pentecost because my eighth thought is this, is the personal context. It's a personal context. Because what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit takes what is distant, what is, what is far off, what is impossible, what is impersonal and makes it personal. The Holy Spirit takes the idea of, of a God who's a long way off, a God who can't be known. And the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit makes God, makes Christianity personal. And now we can know what it is to truly know God for ourselves. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 19, verses one to six. While Apollos was at Corinth, the apostle Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I wanna ask you this question right now on this Pentecost Sunday. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I want you to know that something personal, some personal transformation takes place when you receive the Holy Spirit. It happened for me when I was 12 years of age. I grew up in church, my father was a pastor. And at the age of 12, I realised that my relationship with God was based on who my parents were. I was a good church-going kid. But I had a very limited personal understanding and personal relationship with God Almighty. At the age of 12, just with three or four friends, we decided that we were gonna pray on Monday night. We asked our youth pastor if we could use his office on a Monday night. We had two rules for the prayer meeting. Number one, we didn't want any girls in the prayer meeting because we wanted to worship the Creator and not the created. You know what I mean? And the second thing, second rule was no adults because we figured they were part of our problem. So we banished our youth pastor and four or five of us, we got together and we prayed. And it was phenomenal what took place that night. The Holy Spirit fell and my close friends, they were baptised in the Holy Spirit. There was an audible context and they began to speak in other languages that we hadn't learnt in school. But you know something, nothing happened to me. And so we came 
together to pray on Tuesday night and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And by Saturday night, there were literally dozens and dozens and dozens of smelly teenage boys squeezed into our youth pastor's office as we prayed and sought God. And I remember laying on my face before God, I was so desperate for a God encounter that God was gracious. And in a moment that night, I was baptised in the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in tongues. It was an audible context and my life was forever changed in that moment. My dad came to pick me up. He said, Glenn, you're ready to go home. I said, Dad, I don't need the car. I feel like I'm ready to fly. So transformative was that effect. A few years later, we were to move across the world I was to get involved in, in sport and I was involved in college and, and seeing all the craziness of the world. But you know something, I never stepped back. I never went backwards because the encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit was so personal and so transformational that my life was changed forevermore. I want you to know that on this Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. Pentecost happens every day around the world. As every day around the world, people who are hungry for the presence of God cry out to God and God moves in power. And He is still, my friends, changing lives. He's changing lives through the giving, the bestowing, the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit filling you and changing you from the inside out. That is the power of of Pentecost. It changes everything and it continues to change everything. That there is a timing context and maybe now, today, is the time. There is an equality context. We're all together. There's an audible context. There is an historical context. There is a salvation context. There is a growth context. There is a transformative context and there is a personal context. And so I wanna ask you on this Pentecost Sunday before I hand this service back to your pastors and your pastors will take a moment to pray for you. I wanna ask you what Paul asked the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, where he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Imagine for a moment with me the change that we the church could bring to a broken, hurting and divided society because we encountered the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the same Spirit who rose Christ from the dead is alive in you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? My prayer is that as your pastors take the service from this moment, that you, where you're sitting, in the room that you're in, would receive the Holy Spirit, either for the very first time or you would once again be refreshed and baptised in the Holy Spirit. And we would carry on through this week, transforming our world because we were transformed by Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen.